Welcome back, North-South Connection, to Cronoso. In this project, your favorite voices of the North-South Connection retrace the steps taken during two vastly different eras of professional wrestling. Last time here, it was a million-dollar challenge between Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes at Starcade 1984, but this week we still feel the tremors from the happenings of WrestleMania 24. Moving towards Backlash, WWE Champion Randy Orton is without a number one contender, and Shawn Michaels is paying for the sin of ending Ric Flair's career. It's April 7th. 2008 and it's time for Monday Night Raw. Giving us the lowdown is Ryan Gray and Mike Eller. All right, thanks, Tim. We are here back with the Raw from April 7th, 2008. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk some 2008 wrestling and uh, we are, like we've talked about, we are in the affliction area. Maybe it should be called the affliction era instead of the PG era because everybody's wearing affliction t-shirts. And uh, I'm really excited to review this show. Definitely want excited to get into it. Oh, I put my affliction shirt on for this recording. Hopefully you all appreciate that. But I just want to make sure I was in the mode, and I think I am now. Well, why don't we get to it? Um, so we are at the April 7th. Uh, this is the April 7th, 2008 Monday Night Raw and we are on the, uh, you know, we just had our Ric Flair retirement ceremony. It was obviously a huge moment. Um, we're following up now. We're starting to really build storylines and really move into getting to Backlash 2008. A um, little bit about where we're at. We're at the Times Union Center in Albany, New York, um, formerly the Knickerbocker Arena from 90 to 97. Uh, then it moved to the Pepsi Arena from 97 to 2006. And 2006 to present, it's been at, it's called the Times Union Center. Uh, Ryan, any famous pay-per-views stick out to you that happened at the, at the uh, I guess, then Knickerbocker Arena? Well, by saying Knickerbocker Arena, I instantly thought of the 1992 Royal Rumble, you know, with the Royal Rumble match, you know, Ric Flair winning and whatnot. Yeah, state capital in New York. I guess they deserve one of the best pay-per-views of all time and they they got a good you know no mercy was no slouch either that's a hell of a pay-per-view and uh you know new year's revolution 2006 had a really awesome edge cash in oh, so that's right that's the edge cash in correct yep right so they've they've gotten lucky a lot so maybe we maybe the magic continues and they we have a really good raw tonight but uh, i guess we're gonna figure that out um something else happened in college basketball if you wanted to go into that uh the same time this raw was going on Yes, real, real quick, The this week's rating did a 3.3, coming off a 3.9 of that historical Raw last week. So, you know, a big jump down having to do with the NCAA tournament final game and probably most most likely not having the Ric Flair ceremony with a 30-minute 30, 30 overrun or whatever they did. But, um, yeah, the NCAA game this year was Memphis versus Kansas. You know, uh, going into overtime, too, so I'm sure that didn't help the uh, rating, but... Uh, Memphis took the L to Kansas. Kansas winning 75 to 68 in overtime. Great game. I was rooting for Memphis. Loved Derrick Rose. Still like Derrick Rose. Bummed out, but you know it was all. It, it, I think I was actually watching more of that than Raw when this was happening live. But uh, yeah, one of the best college basketball games probably in recent memory. So um, yeah, so we're a little bit down in ratings, but. We, you know, we want to start out with, I guess, the positives. So we want to kind of go over what worked on this, what didn't work, just similar to last time for everybody listening. And uh, why don't, Ryan, did you want to start out with what you really thought worked for this show? 
Oh, the best thing on the show was the uh, the highlight reel with Chris Jericho having Batista and Shawn Michaels in it. It was fantastic. That's what I I mean. I think that's the best part of the show. I hands down easily the best part. I mean, best thing I I think uh, you know the Flair ceremony. Uh, the best storyline thing that's happened since we've started this in the last couple of weeks. Flair's you know retirement obviously takes a cake, but I, I wanted to one of the things I really noticed about this is both of these guys are baby faces. You know, Batista's oh, great. Uh, yeah, right uh, with Jericho too. Yeah, duh. Um, right now, really. He's yeah. He there's some teasing, but everything oh, like yeah, that. He's but he's teasing. But leading into this feud, they're all three are baby faces. And they're I mean, Batista was world champion on SmackDown for a lot of the last year. You know, Sean's Sean and main event at WrestleMania. Um, so these are two huge stars that really haven't done anything as really main eventers before. No real history together, which is pretty cool. It is. And I mean, what I liked about this is both guys, I think, were right in their like they they had valid opinions. They weren't like one guy wasn't ridiculous and one guy was like just reacting to the absurd claims like Sean felt he was right to retire Ric Flair and Batista. I Rick's his best friend or one of his best friends His mentor. Yeah, it's meant that's great. And I just felt like it just like it felt real. And that's what you, I think that's the best part about wrestling when things feel real and this felt real. Um, I like, I just, I don't know when I was watching this, when I was watching this, I got super excited. Like I got amped for this, yeah. like getting ready for this match. Batista's whole thing was Sean, your ego forced yourself to get Ric Flair retired really was what the whole gist of Batista's side of the story. And that was a pretty cool angle and, you know, pretty unique from being two baby faces really saying hey we all have egos but your ego is so big that you couldn't put it aside to save batista's career you had to you know put another notch on your belt and that that notch is retiring rick you're supposed to i trust you to protect rick and save his career but your ego overtook it all and you really you know that was a nice staple to start this feud it was it was i, I agree 100 percent um and Sean kind of took it like, you know, Sean wanted to be civil. You could tell he was acting civil. But when Batista started really going at him and challenging him, then you could, you know, he uses Dave. Like instead of, you know, when people, when wrestlers get mad at Batista, they always use Dave. And right. and he um, he got really into it. He, you know, he kind of challenged Batista saying he wouldn't have been able to do what Sean did in his situation. Like, you know, he's not. Yeah, the he same couldn't man bear. That, he couldn't bear the weight of putting Flair's career on the line and ending it on his shoulders, and he would have folded and not done the job. But Shawn Michaels could bear all that weight, and he did the job. That's Shawn's side. And he's mm-hmm. sick of everyone holding it against him and sick of everyone living with revisionist history and inevitably thinking that he was going to do it. You know, He went in there and gave Flair a fair shot to save his career, and Flair couldn't hack it anymore, and Shawn was the better man. And that's a part of the ego thing that, you know, Batista was really putting the grips to on Sean. Mm-hmm. And just kind of going back to, you know, Batista's right. I mean, Sean is Sean found God and he's a baby face. He's been a good I mean, from all counts, you know, been a baby face outside like a one month run. But he can still be a jerk. <laughs> he still is. Oh, he's still getting away. And uh, that's I think, you know, that's why I really love this run and why I've really loved him the last, you know, throughout 2008. We'll get new into it. So. Um, you know, I felt like, obviously this is the best part of the show. Anything stand out to you? Any other things stand out to you that was really good on this show? 
Well, just real quick before we put a bow into this segment, um, you know, when Sean said, you know, Dave, you know, what, what's your, what are you doing or whatever? And then Dave said, I've already done it and smirks, drops the mic and walks away. You know, what, what is he referring to? Like he already got into Sean's head, already got him to a point where he challenged Dave to a match because Dave's and you know, both being baby faces, you know, they really wanted to see who would push the buttons to challenge each other first, maybe like, is that what it was? Or is it more psycho psychologically thing that he made him weaker, made him matter. So when he goes in the match, he can get revenge for flair. I don't know. What, what did you think that little smirk and that mic drop was? Can I pick all of the above? Yeah, it's probably that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it mostly, you know, teasing the match. And I mean, the way that this was built, I'm, I would have run with this as the main event of, of backlash. If, you know, if I'm, if I'm the viewer at home, I'm assuming this is like the, you know, maybe the biggest match just with what is the main event, the four way. Yeah, it's a four way. We'll get into that, but Hey, real quick on, on Jericho's part, he does a lot early. He does the heavy lifting early here and then he like takes off. Did he leave the ring? He just, it was weird. It was like, he just like didn't want to be there. He, just well, he definitely like... planted heel seeds throughout in his, you know, you know, he was a slight asshole towards Dave and Sean in, in different ways, making comments towards them, needling them and poking them. And, you know, you know, like he's like, oh, HBK, look at this. You brought your A game and then show Sean doing the moon slip and falling through the table and breaking, cracking a rib, you know, pointing that out and saying that's his A game. But, uh, you know, Jericho did his part and it's slowly, slowly, slowly turning into that heel that we expect him to be. And we'll, we find out he is. It's great. I mean, because you're right. Like you said, and just to echo what you said, it's so small. Like he didn't turn mm -hmm. heel. He didn't. And we'll, obviously we'll learn it. We'll learn more about this, but he didn't turn heel. He just kept, you know, just the small needles, just getting them yeah. a little, just getting the reactions. And it, it helped the segment, too, because it got them, you know, got emotion out of both Sean and Batista. So that's why I, this was so good, really. Yeah, it, it really was. And I. These guys are three of the top guys in 2008, and I, Batista's a guy going back and watching, um, is somebody who I didn't love at the time. Again, I may have said this already, but somebody I didn't really love at the time. But as I've rewatched, I just love how great he is, and you know, he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now. So his acting is obviously taken a place too. Yes, and there, and there was a show long poll, I guess, uh, via text message. That, uh, you know, did Shawn Michaels do the right thing at WrestleMania by, you know, retiring Rick? Yes or no? And it was 65% yes. You know, manipulated or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they said, I'm sure they would say it wasn't. But maybe yeah, it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. But uh, this definitely was the highlight of the night, Mike. It was. I mean, this is like an all-time, not an all-time segment, but it's, it's great. It's something that this I still. This is a start to an all-time feud. It is. And they did it, you know, they started out with an A plus. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think anything really, honestly, I don't think anything really touches this. Like, I don't think anything's really with, I don't think anything anywhere near this, right? If, unless you disagree. No, absolutely not. This is the, this is the segment of the night. What did you think about the main, what do you think about like the JBL, Randy Orton, Triple H, John Cena thing going on here because that's what we're building to, like we said earlier, for what will become the probably become the main event of Backlash. Well, last week I gave, or last episode I gave Batista, excuse me, I gave JBL stock up, and eh, 
spoiler alert, I have him stocked down later on in the show, but just too much, too much JBL, too much of him boring plotting in the ring and, uh, you know, heel beatdowns, not tagging, you know, just uh, too much, too much JBL, way too much JBL here. He got on my nerves. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's his job, but it was, it turned into, it turned, that, Getting on your nerves was good last week, and it turned into go away this week. It did, and he just he just kept talking. I don't yeah. buy it. I, I I'm sorry. Like he can talk. He's a good talker. He's not. I think he's a little bit. I think he became so people said he was overrated for so long. He kind of became underrated. Um, but he's. I just don't buy him as a main eventer. Like I like he sticks out like a sore thumb with Cena. And yes. with Triple H, and I think Orton's getting to that level where Cena and Triple H already are, and JBL is just nowhere near. Like JBL, well, JBL is a main eventer on 2004 on a small small ocean. And he's a big fish, you know. Right, right. And he doesn't fit in here. It's like a guy who you know hits 340, a 30 year old that hits 340 in AAA, and then he <laughs> comes. <laughs> and um, one thing that kind of I thought was funny is. Um, during the Triple H uh, handicap match at the beginning where he faced um, Orton and uh, JBL, did you notice they had a stare down like Triple H and JBL had a stare down and JBL called him, but called himself the wrestling God and Triple H kind of nodded and said, Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Was it supposed to be like a, a stare down of the 2004, 2005 world champions? Like, was that supposed to be a bigger moment than it was? Am I overthinking that? Oh, it was WrestleMania 21 callback for that backstage vignette. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I don't think the fans understood what they were doing because like I got it, but I don't think the, I think the I don't fans know. I think just, it's just their way of adding heat to the match. You know, I'm sure the match is fine, and or actually I'm sure the match is great, but so far it is not off to the best start. No, and, and it has a good has a good base. Last week was a good base of getting it kicked off, and and then you know trying to put meat on this bones to actually make it a four way match. It this didn't work. The whole handicap match. The handicap match stipulations were in ring okay at best, but it was more plotting and boring and predictable, and that's really not good, you know. Okay, so you, I kind of went the other way. I kind of, I mean, as much as I didn't like JBL, I kind of like that they kept throwing things at it that it allowed the show to build. It just felt like it was too much. It just, it felt like they were, it was filler because we knew it was going to happen. Not that that's a bad thing, but when it's bad filler and we know it's going to happen, it turns into bad TV. Would you have liked it better if somebody else was in there besides JBL? I don't know, because, you know, last week I was endorsing JBL and then, you know, less is more probably, you know, or mm-hmm. less is be more of a background figure injecting himself and instead of kind of trying to take over and be the main star. Well, they're doing that to bring him up to their level and it's just not working. No. No, I mean he looked great. I mean he looked great against in the Finley match. I bought him there. I, I don't know. Well, we're just kind of in a. This thing about 2008, we have this. We have a pretty good main event scene, like the but the mid card just really isn't clicking. Uh, you know, at least through two weeks. And so, like, where does JBL go? Can he? Would you like? I almost think like maybe you just have JBL like give him the with the intercontinental title at that time, or give him like a feud in there and have him, you know, run, run there. Um, Mike, but, who is the intercontinental champion right now? Let's see if you know, after two weeks, Chris Jericho, he, it is. <laughs> yeah. I was he trying to stump you. 
I don't think he even wants to broadcast. He's in their continental champion right now. <laughs> um, so would you have anything else to add about, you know, what's going on in the main event scene right now? We, we saw what was coming early on and it ended just how we thought it was, you know, it was fine. We had its moments where it was good, but you know, two handicap matches at about nine minutes apiece. Oh, I, I wish they just kind of tie that into more somehow, maybe like a tag match between the four, you know, the two heels versus the two babies, the two babies, you know, trying, I don't know. I, I don't know how they could have gotten there, but this turned out to be a bad solution in my opinion. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you got a 15 minute tag out of them, um, if you got a 15 minute tag out of them, I mean, I think that's something that can be around three stars, which I think I, we both had around right around our best match last week. Yes, was it sure. was about three stars. So, um, but I like, I, and we talked a little bit before, but I don't have anything on this up up two. No, last week we had, you know, two matches hovering around three. And then now we really have two matches hovering around one and a half. And that's being generous. Yeah. And that's the two, and that's the two handicap matches that we just kind of shat on the, the last, <laughs> the last five minutes, and that was the best wrestling of the night. But then again, you know, going against the NCAA tournament, you know, we're gonna really put long bad matches out there. We're gonna have quick hitters trying to grab you and prolong the show long feud of trying to kind of hold your attention. Did mm-hmm. it work? I don't know, but I'm curious if that JBL stuff. Actually, I'm curious if this Batista and Jericho and HBK stuff was at halftime um, to kind of bolster or maximize their potential rating for that segment. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not positive. I mean, you'd think like they would because like that's what they generally get, like the big promos or the big um, the big sit downs or the big, you know, they're, they promoted the hell out of the, the highlight reel. So I could see that for sure. Yeah, but um, we definitely, you know, we talked about what we kind of liked in a way, even though we said we didn't really like it. What, like, what didn't you like here? Let's, it, it had to be brutal if that's what we liked. Yeah. <laughs> the women. Let's just match. do it together. Like, let's just save them. Let's just save some time and do it together. Let's bang out the women division first. What do you think of the women's? Um, I, I'll add Beth Phoenix is great, but yes, she doesn't fit in in this. She just doesn't fit. The match with Maria was not good. Um, Beth, I think, did a lot, but I think Maria was just horrible. I mean, just a, if unless you did, I, I hope I'm not being too harsh here, but I just think she's a terrible in-ring worker. Um, she just, you know, she's just not good. Yeah, this is what I have for it. Beth had some decent power stuff. Maria made it look okay in the best that she could. Uh, clunky at times, seemed off for the most part. <laughs> one star. <laughs> One star is good. Yeah, I want yeah. about I want. And that's one. due to Beth, like you said, Beth being awesome. Right. And man, if she just came five, six years later, it could have been awesome. But well, oh, she can't change history. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but what was even worse was the tag match: Melina and Jillian Hall versus Ashley and Mickey James. Oh, I, Ashley, Jesus, Jesus, Ashley. Huh? God bless you, or whatever. But she, at this point, or I don't know if ever, if she was capable of being an in-ring wrestler. I had this at a quarter star, and I think it could have gone to the negatives um, if Mickey and Melina just didn't do some basic standard wrestling to kind of get the match going. Um, Mickey's hot tag was good. It's kind of saved a yeah terrible match. And, you know, maybe a little bit hard on it, I, you know, because I think Mickey's very good. And, you know, obviously she's very good. She's still wrestling, and Melina's still 
wrestling. But, you know, like you said, Ashley was bad. Jillian just is terrible. I mean, what are like what are they adding right now? Like what what them being in the wrestling ring? What it's not doing anything. And Ashley's been around for close to three years now, and she hasn't got any. She's gotten no better at all. Yeah, she, I I don't know if she's put in any time. I don't even know if there's time for her to put in or I don't know. It's just not a good idea. Like I don't know why he, she can't manage Lunding Lunding and Kendrick and call it a day. It'd be perfect. I mean, it'd be a great role. She's got she's charismatic. I'll well, give her she that, did that for, sure. for SmackDown, correct? In 2006, she did. Yeah, for a little bit, right? I don't think it was a, a whole little run, I don't, but she got injected in the middle of their few uh in the middle of their run, I think. Right. Yeah, because they had the we talked about that last. They had the belts for close to a year. Um, Speaking of London and Kendrick, what did you think of their match with uh, Cade and Murdoch, your boys? <laughs> I wrote, um, you know, just taking down notes. Um, I thought London and Kendrick looked good. Um, I thought they looked they're smooth wrestlers. I didn't think the wrestling was bad. Um, it was only three fifteen. They, I think they could have gone a little bit longer. I, I'd say about a star and a half to two stars. They're teasing this breakup with Kate and Murdoch still, but does anybody care? Do you care, Ryan? I care for it to get there. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they have ideas for Mur- for Cade, and uh, they just have to get past Murdoch to get there. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. But but uh, what I my takeaway from this match is, like you said, it was good to an extent, but it was also bad to an extent. Uh, and they were all wearing red. So that instantly made me mad. Yeah. What the heck? I, <laughs> I did notice that. Why can't like, like London Kendrick have plenty of different colors. You can go like, go with that, like blue, like that tea, that like turquoise color, I think looks, I think that's good look yeah. for them. Yeah. I don't, or the blue, whatever. I don't know why they all were wearing red trunks or red shorts. It just, I don't know why, but uh, you know, it's London Kendrick. They're they're not going to have a bad match. They're not going to have a full match of a full stretch of a bad match. They're they're two killer athletic baby faces, you know. Right. It was this, you know, the downside of this was definitely Caden Murdoch and they showed that they were going to bro- break up and I assume that they were going to break up on this show, but nope, they're going to make us wait. <sighs> it's it just I mean it, it it's it's tough. Just going back to like the good is really good, but the bad is really bad. I mean, you have a women's division nobody cares about. You have a tag division nobody cares about. Um, you know, the Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Holly, they lose again. Um, they're your tag team champions, and they're just – I mean, why are they champions? What? Why are they – why are you having these guys champions if they're just losing? They've been champions for a while too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going back to – close like the beginning of the year right oh i don't know if it's that long but i we can look we can look that up for the next podcast because i'm sure it sounds fantastic (laughs) (laughs) but um jr to the way to the ring of the caden murdoch match goes we have a growing tag team division i can't wait to see it (laughs) get there or something (laughs) like that i was like okay jr you're full of shit but yeah the hardcore holly match the Hardcore Holly and Cody Rhodes match against Carlito and Santino. I don't know. It was okay. It had its spots. I like the ending where Santino fell off the top rope and did the headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, they're trying to build them. Like, are, are Carlito and Santino, like, are they trying to make them a tag team? Or are they just, are they set up to just beat Rhodes and beat Holly? Like, are is there any other use for them outside of just beating, making Holly and Rhodes look kind of like a dumb team? Uh, I think they've been 
you know, I think they said that they've been flirting as tag team partners and building chemistry. So I assume they've been building up the tag team. They both probably have nothing going on and trying to see if they can make that work is my guess. Um, I don't think it does. I think they break out of it soon, correct? Yeah. I mean, well, we'll get there. And I, I wanted to add, they won the titles in 2007. Um, at the end of 2007, they won on the 15th anniversary on December 10th. Who they beat? Um, our heroes, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. <laughs> I can't believe those guys are champs. I didn't <laughs> even know that. But um, I don't know. This tag division is a mess, and it's and it's not even like it's good filler, which the tag team division should be. It's more of like throwing shit against the wall, and it shows like kind of a, a lack of a depth in the roster maybe right now yeah yeah i agree and just like a lack of caring i guess i mean like we're gonna get there but like they're gonna like you know in the early 10s like i, I feel like everything i would read online was wwf promises it's gonna bolt you know strengthen its tag team after it's been crap for the past four or five years and i i mean would you say this is like the least interested you've been in a tag team division is it like would you go that far well, I'm like into I'm into crime time, but at the end of the day, they're not very good. I'm into London and Kendrick, but they're they're never used correctly. Kate and Murdoch can go eat sand or whatever, you know, <laughs> they're done. <laughs> Carlito and Santino are good single mid card guys, but they're thrown together. And then the and then the same with you know the veteran team and the rookie team of Hardcore, who's kind of on his last legs, coming off the ECW run where he had a good run. But he's probably pissed that he's in the mid card. He's not getting his due. And then Cody, who's not ready for prime time and stinks, you know? Yeah. I feel like Rhodes and Holly could have been tag champs for like maybe a month, like two months, and then just break. You I just know, don't Holly think there's anyone else to give it to. Yeah. I mean, what are Miz and Moore like? Like I, they're on ECW. They're, yeah. yeah, that's true. This is you know what you know what this time of period would probably. You know, if they merged the titles a lot sooner, it probably would have helped out this time period. Yeah, yeah. Which they do a year later at this time. Right. But now it's like they don't have enough. I mean, compared to current day WWE, where you have, you know, enough for two, you know, your depth is a lot stronger. Um, And you have, it's just, it's amazing how bad. I mean, this feels just like almost 95 levels of just sad and pathetic. The tag division, yeah. But, you know, Speaking of the tag division, Crime Time finished after right after this match. They uh, they had a backstage segment where they were selling WrestleMania items. Now, would you buy a signed Maria Playboy? <laughs> I don't think I would buy that. No. Nah, I wouldn't either. But I'd look at it. Um, then JTG <laughs> claims that he has Kim Kardashian's underwear, but Shad lets him know that it is Mae Young's underwear. Now. I don't know if you would buy underwear, but would you rather have Kim K's or would you rather have Mae Young's? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go neither. <laughs> neither? All right. I'll take Kim K's then. It was a fun segment. It was harmless. It was good filler. I laughed. Um, they're good. I mean, they're they're great. And they're, I mean, they just, they, they make, they're, they're funny. They're both well, the super thing about charismatic. Them is the, belt, the belt, at, at some point, the bell has to ring. <laughs> and they just can't do anything. They yeah. just can't. They're just not very good, and they, their offense doesn't look good, and they don't sell, and it's just, eh. I mean, it's still better than Caden Murdoch, but it's not, it, it doesn't work. You're right. But uh, later in the show, we have Regal, you know, showing up after a commercial break, saying that he just got off the phone with Vicky Guerrero, and he has confirmed Batista 
versus Shawn Michaels at Backlash. And, um, or, and then Orton's shown walking in, and Orton wants some respect. And, Orton, and Regal says that, hey, I'll give you some respect next week because we are live in London, England, and I'll give you some respect with a match with me. So I thought that was pretty cool, something cool to look forward to, Regal versus Orton in London. I'm looking forward to it. I, I like I, I Regal's good. I'd like to see. I, I don't know. I just Randy Orton and William Regal in a singles match intrigues me. I, it might not even be any good, but just it's something I don't you don't see. You haven't seen too much. So why not? Yeah. Watch it go five minutes and we're like, oh, that was it. <laughs> not even go. Um, one thing about Regal, uh, it just him. Like dressed like I guess like one thing that's kind of weird that throws me off is he looks like NXT manager William Regal with the long hair but he acts like a dick like a in like a huge jerk and it just does like I, when I think of a heel Regal I think of the crew cut so it just doesn't it's it's not clicking for me right now but I, I hope it does in future weeks <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's got yeah, that shaggy hair it's definitely distracting yeah for sure um so I just kind of wanted to wrap you know uh with the fashion corner uh like part. I said we're in the affliction era and I wouldn't wear anything that these guys are wearing right now. I would, wouldn't wear what Chris Jericho was. I, he wore everything. Uh, he had this big chain. Um, he had this open button down. He had a maroon corduroy jacket. <laughs> I, he's going for a rock star. And he, he definitely swings for the fences and he swung and missed tonight. Rock star slash I'm on a date with my wife and I have three kids at home. Dad, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He can't, he's confused. Yeah, I don't know. The fashion corner is your corner, and I'm not going to jump on it. But there's definitely nothing to that I'd wear on this episode of Raw. No, and it just it comes down to like it feels like 2008 wasn't that long ago, but when you watch this show, it is really long ago. Like you don't have anybody on their cell phones all during the show. Um, the like the the shirt, like the, how people dress and everything like that, and the fan, like how the fans dress. It's it's a it's definitely a different era. So I'm happy we got to go back and kind of watch like a completely different era than we're in right now. Yep. But, uh, you know, coming out of this episode, Mike, I, I, you know, I'm looking for, I'm definitely looking forward to the HBK and Batista match coming off that fantastic segment. And then, you know, the, the fatal four way tag or the fatal four way title match, you know, I was a little more excited for it last week. And then just because the Mirandering bullshit we got this week and the slow plotting, we know it's going to get there kind of thing. It just didn't really click for me, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be a fine match. I'm sure it's going to be fine. We're going to head to England and, you know, we're going to see, uh, like you said, it's disappointing after last week was so good with the flare stuff, but I'm still optimistic. I know that they've got enough talent at the upper, you know, in the upper, basically in the main event scene that they can make things good. And I hope that they, I hope that they can recover next week. For sure. As they will, you know, we expect next week to be a, a strong wrestling show because historic historically the uh, London shows have been wrestling heavy, just based off, you know, the crowd being so hot and the taped atmosphere. They feel like they can get away with uh, the long wrestling. 100%. Do you think we're going to have anything as good as Sean and Cena from the 2007 uh, UK tapings? I would tend to think no. I'm going to bet no, too. <laughs> the march to backlash does not just stop on Monday Night Raw. 
As the day after, April 8th, 2008, Kane finds a new number one contender in the former ECW champion, Chavo Guerrero. How does the landscape look for the land of extreme? To tell us more, it's Logan Crossland and Johnny C. Hey, how you doing tonight, Johnny? Hey, Logan, man, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing better than last time, let's put it that way. Yeah, I was just saying, we have a little bit more of a positive episode to talk about this time. I think this one blows the, the last one out of the water, uh, for sure. Oh, it, um, it's night and day. It's almost as if it's a different television program. Yeah, it's almost like they heard what we said last week, and we're like, oh, man, we really kind of improve it for these guys. They're gonna sh- or they're gonna shit all over us every week. <laughs> but don't worry, I, we're gonna promise a bunch of shit along the way though too, because it's not a perfect episode, and the wrong people get matches. I can't, I could not believe. I don't know about you, Logan. I was floored. It is one of the things I enjoy the most about this project. I was floored by some of the comp- uh, opponent contestants, if I could speak English. For a moment the contestants are participants in some of tonight's matches blown away yeah i understand like the main event had a storyline kind of throughout the show but uh they definitely flip-flopped this card in the wrong direction so <laughs> sure uh, i got i got problems with the main event that i are nothing related to the storyline well there's some storyline stuff but i mean yeah i don't want to spoil who's coming later but oh it's a doozy it's a doozy you see what i did there Mm, oh yeah it's definitely a doozy for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, oh, I, yeah. I live to entertain myself but i'm glad you left too no i i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> um but we're bringing you tonight the uh april 8th episode uh 2008 episode of uh the ecw um we're at, in boston i'm gonna run through the results real quick uh cm punk and the miz open the show in a match uh, cm punk wins after about 13 minutes um, we go backstage from there, and Colin Delaney is asking for yet another opportunity. Uh, and Dream, uh, Tommy Dreamer's kind of there to back him up. It's kind of a mentor type character. Uh, well, but uh, Strata actually gives him another shot, but he says he has to beat Dreamer. And if he actually does beat Dreamer, uh, Dreamer will be fired, and then uh, Delaney will get a contract. Um, after this, we then get the uh, backlash contract signing between Kane and Chavo Guerrero, so they're going to have a WrestleMania rematch. Um, throughout this, uh, the uh, Chavo's new bodyguard, Bam Neely, de- debuts, and uh, I kind of made the note that he grunts louder and more annoyingly than Lex Luger does, which is saying something. Um, but yeah, uh, that happens, and then we get a match between uh, Elijah Burke and Nunzio. Um, they follow that with a segment with the Divas in the back, I believe. I oh, know Kofi Kingston and Domino have a match after that where Kofi Kingston wins. Um, and then Layla, Eve, and Kelly Kelly are in the back, and Layla kind of bitches her out about being the only uh, Diva Search winner on ECW and that she is the best Diva on ECW, which probably isn't saying much. But um, And then after that, we get the main event that we just talked about. Uh, Colin Delaney takes on Tommy Dreamer, and Tommy Dreamer beats him in about five minutes. So Colin Delaney still doesn't have a contract, and Tommy gets to keep his job. Um, so Johnny, uh, throughout this episode, what's something uh, that caught your eye that you kind of uh, enjoyed? Oh my goodness, I I have a list. Um, so stuff stuff I enjoyed. I'll tell you what. Uh, I want to preface and warn the user to the users. Goodness, the folks listening, anyone at home, if you decide to watch this episode of ECW, uh, Taz does say Impact about 24 times, and I did the math. That's 0.52 impacts per minute. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah 
happened to Rocket Buster, Cole? Why doesn't he say that anymore? It's Rocket Buster, Cole. I guess Rocket Buster Styles doesn't sound as good for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. But uh, but the reason I started with commentary is that uh, the commentary was much better this week. All jokes uh-huh. aside, Taz was better. Joey Styles was actually better, too. And it's probably because earlier, uh, I don't know how long it takes to get to Stanford from Boston. I'm not trying to generalize because they're all in the Northeast. But Joey Styles around this time in history gets some news that probably made him really, really, really happy. So I'm assuming that that's that may have happened sometime this week. Uh, but in all seriousness, I liked Morrison and The Miz, and I like seeing CM Punk wrestle The Miz. I love seeing Miz and Morrison from back in the day, man. They're they're so great. Yeah, without a doubt, they're 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 acting super hot right now. They have the uh, dirt sheet and all that. They're the tag champs, um, and they're just running roughshod over SmackDown and ECW. So um, yeah, they were really great at this point. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, Morrison on commentary. I thought he had a few quips with uh, oh Taz that were uh, hilarious. Do you, I don't know if you have it written. He says, "Listen to these people." All these hamsters dancing to the cadence of society's expectations. Oh, CM Punk, CM Punk. And he goes, look at this little kid over here with the sign. Fucking hilarious. And then, and then, and then they say something about uh, being like, uh, the Miz being like the Cleveland submission specialist or something like that. And then <laughs> uh, Morrison can't find his words. And uh, Taz starts to say, like a Cleveland steamer? And uh, then he's like, yeah, exactly like that. He's in a Cleveland steamer. Let's go with that. Dude, where have, you been, where have you been hiding your Taz impression? I'm having a stroke over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, and then he, ta- he he talks shit about Joey Styles not getting into John Morrison's WrestleMania after party. <laughs> oh yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, the Miz and uh, Morrison apparently <laughs> threw their own after party and they talked yeah, about how and, much and of a he, nerd Styles wasn't but, for not getting in. He assures Joey Styles that even though he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match, his dick still works too. Jesus. <laughs> I also I also think that John Morrison's hair has officially gained sentience. That thing is alive. And it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's it, it is it is beautiful to look at for sure. It's so perfectly quaffed and all that, so it looks amazing. But, but yeah, man, like I I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed talking about it more. I feel like I cannot stop. Can you say something else's test? <laughs> it's a rocket buster cold. <laughs> cool. I tell you, I talked to my cousin Joey. No, uh, I don't know when he started doing SmackDown. He had like a, you know how um, Bobby Heenan, he always had like Woodrow, his like butler in WCW. He'd be like, Woodrow, come here. You know, the guy who would like, it wasn't like a real person though. Like it was just literally a fucking character in his head. Uh, didn't Taz have like Joey numbers back in Red Hook that he would used to talk about? Is that yeah, I think, I think he did, yeah, when he first started, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Um, <laughs> but he acted like he had a little, uh, uh, you know, like a little assistant on the side that would tell him special yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. you've got to have shtick, right? I mean, mm. you know, it's great. Well, no, so no. that's a that's a massive positive for me, this whole thing, or that whole segment. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I was just say the commentary was great. Um, the match I even thought was really good. Um, I think it was probably the Miz's first really good match. Um, I think he brought it just as much as Punk did. Punk, Punk had a really good performance as well. Um, but yeah, the opener for this one was uh just outstanding all the way around. And uh, to go to something before the match, uh, I always kind of like low key like this uh, ECW theme that they had right now. Um, it's called like burning your heart or something like that. But uh, I always like the ECW theme at this time. Um, oh but, yeah, I I think that's the one that's don't question the father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I always enjoyed that uh, during this era. Um, but uh, bouncing off of that, uh, what's something that throughout the show that you may not have enjoyed as much? Well, I'm kind of disappointed because we're supposed to be covering the PG era, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so in so after this like really fun segment we cut to armando estrada and he's he's got the cigar in his pocket and i think right there that should be tv 14 for tobacco and i'm uh, going to join a class action lawsuit against armando estrada <laughs> if you'd like to join me please let me know on twitter at save martha russo uh but in all seriousness uh when Connell and Delaney's trying to get his contract, Tommy Dreamer's standing up for him because, you know, it's like the right thing to do. And Colin Delaney's working really hard. I found this strange that if Estrada was asking Colin Delaney to blow him, Tommy Dreamer would probably tell Colin Delaney to, you know, pull yourself, pull himself up by his bootstraps and just get to sucking. Because yeah, Tommy he Dreamer's probably <laughs> totally down with sexual assault, allegedly. Yeah, totally allegedly, but yeah, no, he just probably, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, what, he would Joey, that, Joey Numbers told me that, Cole. <laughs> Joey Numbers told me about it, Cole. <laughs> Joey Numbers was like, hey, there's, there's two guys around the corner that need their dick sucked. <laughs> Maybe Joey Numbers was Cole, or was uh, Styles before Styles actually came in, so he just changed you know, his name because he could. I bet it was. So why doesn't he just, you know, call Joey Styles Joey Numbers? That would oh, be well. amazing. I, I would it's laugh a, so hard. I know. The world is an imperfect place. I do like Estrada. I think Estrada's good. But Tommy Dreamer's a piece of shit. And he had three ponytails, and they all pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely do. Me too. Um, but yeah, that that segment, um, I, I wrote down the note that I've never wanted anyone uh, to win a match more than I did Colin Delaney for the main event. And, and you know uh, what? Yeah, that's that's the thing, too. And here's something else about Tommy Dreamer and his ponytails, okay? Hulk Hogan has a Hulk rule shirt. Stone Cold has Austin 316. Tommy Dreamer's so fucking cool and important to the wrestling business that he's rocking the WrestleMania 24 t-shirt. Oh, yeah, he's so cool. Um, do you want to talk about the match that they had later on in the show? We can go, to, go ahead and get around to that. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine, because there's more to say. Yeah, go ahead. You can talk about it. Well, it's just that, okay, so now if you're all pissed off that I have such a strong opinion about Tommy Dreamer, let me point out this about his match, okay? Uh, there's, this is a, this match is a prime opportunity for storytelling within a match. You know, there's not a lot of expectation in terms of what they're going to do, but it has a built-in story. Uh, see Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair from two weeks ago. Now, these guys aren't Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, okay? But that's how you, like, tell a story with a match. How about maybe Tommy Dreamer has some remorse? Maybe he gets really hardcore on him because Colin Delaney, you know, doesn't fall to the DDT. And Dreamer's got to get a little hardcore and he feels bad about it, but he likes the spunk in the kid. How about something instead of trying to balance on the turnbuckle for a superplex? You fuck. I don't like Tommy <laughs> Dreamer. 
No, yeah, I've, I've never been a huge fan of his, but obviously due to recent events, it makes me hate him even more. So, um, now, but yeah, the, all that shit, yeah, all that shit aside, all that shit aside, it's a real missed opportunity for storytelling in a match. Yeah, but as soon as they booked it, I was thinking, I actually kind of got excited, not excited, but I was kind of like, oh, I bet that's gonna be like a hardcore. Like, I bet he's just going to beat the shit out of Delaney for, like, five minutes, and then he's going to be like, oh, you got spoke, kid, and, like, fucking murder him. But no, it's a, it's just, ugh, ugh. I don't do anything. Yeah, the the whole Delaney thing doesn't work because nobody really gives a shit about him to begin with. And honestly, at this point, people like seeing him get the crap beat out of him uh, more than they actually like seeing him actually win. Like if he won, I guess they'd probably pop a little bit, but they mostly just kind of sit there on their hands and don't really don't really care. Um, So I definitely think this could have this definitely should have been longer, I think, just because. You know, a five-minute match doesn't really do anything for Delaney, especially since he kind of basically gets squashed. I mean, he gets some moves in there, but, you know, like, this match started out with a great opener, and then it was basically, you know, three squash matches in a row after that. So, um, you know, it was an enhancement match for the two or three guys that are in it, but, you know, Tommy Dreamer didn't need to be enhanced, and, you know... Uh, I just feel like this, like like you said, this was a huge missed opportunity. Uh, this definitely could have had a little bit more story to it, and uh, I just don't think anybody's buying into this Delaney storyline. Um, so, nah. Uh, I also really loved quiet. it. They they seem quiet for him too. He's not, you know, you can say what you will about like Ellsworth or you know what have you, the any of these characters, but you know, I feel like they got they get reactions. Colin Blaze getting nothing. Yeah, because I yeah I think they enjoy watching like Big Show the previous week like chuck him around and throw him around you know, um, but uh, I I also love that on Delaney that the fact that Delaney had no music but he had a video and his name was spelled on a band aid so I love I love that little uh, little thing that was up on the screen for when he came out but he gets no music. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. That, hey, Colin, that, that, you need some music? I know a guy, Joey. Joey numbers. He's a DJ. Joey numbers, get him a band-aid on his on his video call. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's uh, uh Cleveland Steve Uncle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> but another match that happened, we got our first match uh with Kofi Kingston. So we got, of course, our first opportunity for me to go SOS. I beat up Shelton. So uh, that'll be a usual uh, segment in the show because I freaking love his theme and it always made me uh, it always makes me laugh because I always used to think it said he beat up Shelton. So I thought that was always hilarious. Um, but what did you think of Kofi's first little appearance that he had here? Well, I could not believe his opponent was Domino. And Domino made sure to let everyone in the arena know his name because anytime he would strike Kofi Kingston and Kofi would take a back bump for him, he'd go, Domino! <laughs> and then I was like, is this Jimmy? And then I was like, oh God, is this the one that's like related to Snooka? And then I was on Wikipedia and I think I started looking up um, No Time to Die, the James Bond movie. So I don't even know. Is this the Snooka one? Nah, Deuce was uh, Snooka's son. Okay. This is this is the guy that played. Uh, he was Cliff Compton in on the Indies for a while. Is this the who takes the bump at WrestleMania 25 and totally doesn't catch the Undertaker? That that's uh, Snooka's son. That's Deuce. Well, fuck. Why isn't it Deuce versus Kofi Kingston? Man, I don't know. I, that that probably would have been slightly, at least maybe a little bit better. But who knows? <laughs> okay. Or maybe worse. This is 
I'm putting you on the spot. This is a massive test, and it has nothing to do with wrestling. You're a lot younger than I am. Have you ever seen Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo? Uh, it's been a long time, but yes, I have seen it before. Okay, all right, never mind. I was going to recommend it as one of the, as one of the few comedies from the early 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, okay, I got but you. Yeah, you've already seen it. it you've already seen it. So just <laughs> fucking, just you could have just been like, no, Johnny, I haven't seen it. Are you doing well, some fine. shit? I knew I knew if, if I knew you were going somewhere with it, I probably wouldn't. No, I wasn't. I was gonna do I was gonna do the voice of one of the guys from it because I think it's funny, but it's not gonna it's not relevant. It's over. The moment how about this? You wanna throw your voices, Cole? Fucking Taz says boom, boom, boom. Like he's a fucking kid who's like getting shocked by someone going peekaboo, but he's like, oh, oh, do it again, Cole, do it again. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and it was after the match. He was like, he, Joey was just talking, and he was like, "Shut up, Joey! I gotta go!" Boom, boom, boom. He was... fucking his booms per minute. I didn't do the. I couldn't. The calculator broke. <laughs> the calculator didn't work after that. <laughs> I was oh. uh, just for the record, Kofi is still Jamaican here, and the um, the boom drop is called Air Jamaica. Oh wow! I didn't I didn't catch that. That's hilarious though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank God though, or or else the fucking phone I was watching on might have broke because Taz would have went boom, and the the phone would have been like, I don't know how many booms that is. It's Air Jamaica, Joey. Uh, uh, I like Kofi. He's making me happy. Cool. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> what an absurd. Uh, Taz was great tonight, and definitely the oh. MVP. I bet, I bet he's. I bet Taz is very easily amused in his sex life too. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Very violent, but <laughs> with this voice at least. <laughs> um, but another match. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but another match that happened was uh, Elijah Burke and Nunzio. Um, I always thought Burke was one of those talents that was kind of underutilized during his run. Uh, he didn't stay very long, but I thought he could have been something a little bit more than he ended up being. And Nunzio bumped all over the place for this guy in this match. So Nunzio made him look like a million bucks at the same time. Um, what did you think of that match? Well, I have a few things that I I want to I want to not do a Taz impression. That way I can cover all of them and I'll try to go as quick as possible. Do you know what the thing with the four up is? Is that like four upside your head? Is that what that is? Yeah, I, that's what I would guess. I don't know 100 percent sure, though. Well, he used to be a boxer, like, so I think that's yeah, I think that's kind of what that is. Okay, it made me think of um like one up like in a in a video game, you know, you get like an extra life, and then I started thinking about Xavier Woods, and then Kofi came out, and I started thinking about just how fucking proud I am that wrestling let the new day happen, and that the new day did happen, because the new day has been a shining light in the landscape of professional wrestling in the last couple of years. That's very bleak, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, they say Burke looks – they're like, he looks a little different this week, Cole. Like, he's a little, like, whatever. And I am swear to God, it's probably because he's freaking out. It's a fucking week after WrestleMania. He's about to get future endeavored with 26 other guys. Yeah, I was, he's he's not long for this world. He I think he lasts about another month or so. Um, yeah, well, but yeah. What happened with the finish? Like, he sets up – he takes his knee pads down and, like – Nunzio like doesn't do it so he does like an STO according to mm. the Nintendo 64 game I used to play that's what they called it and mm. uh it, it, I don't know like it was weird like I don't know I don't know I don't know if Nunzio took a 
bump, a head a, a bump to the head at some point and it kind of knocked him loopy but he seemed like kind of wobbly at the end of the match so i think he got i think he got his bell rung a little bit somewhere um towards the end of the match and then uh i felt like he probably couldn't set himself because he tried to set him up for the move but then he was just like oh That's no right. this ain't happening so i think yeah, he so either I'll got just, knocked I'll, I'll just slam him on his head for the fuck of it <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'll just fucking slam his head back first into the damn uh, mat. So, uh, is, yeah. Is this, I, I, is this, let's see here. Yeah, this is the match where um, Joey Styles uh, gets called out for having a foot fetish, right? I, I believe so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, Casual. He, he thinks, casually yeah, yeah, just casually, he's like, oh, uh, cool. You're like Quentin Tarantino over here. But no, it's weird. Like they, He's like, Joey, you're always talking about feet. I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, he's always yeah. He, he kicked him in the face at one point. That's probably where the concussion or the loopy knock got happened because he freaking booted him on the apron uh, with it. Yeah, so I think he just got his bell rung a little bit, and uh, they weren't sure he could hit, get hit with the uh, Elijah Express that that they called it at that point. So you ever um, see that? Uh, you ever see that? Uh, at WrestleMania 23, they did like the new ECW versus the old ECW, and then the next mm-hmm. Tuesday on ECW, they did the hardcore match. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, he. I, I'm pretty sure he does the really badass Elijah Express through the table to somebody, and that ever since then, I was like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. And I don't know, you're right. They just he had a unique look. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just it didn't work. For some and I, I even. I even think eventually TNA uses him pretty well. I still don't think they used him to his full potential, but um, yeah, I definitely think he's a guy that kind of flew under the radar. I don't know if he's not like fully in it passion wise or something like that, but it never seems like he, he went all the way. And I don't know if that's a company problem or if it was just kind of, you know, that wasn't like his number one thing in life that he wanted to really, uh, you know, get to the top of or something like that. So, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, it's just a, that's just a kind of a missed opportunity, especially for this ECW brand that could have used guys that could have been stars. And I think he probably could have been heavily featured on this like he was at certain points. But I think he could have stayed around and been a big part of what ECW was doing. Um, and the only thing we really haven't talked about, except Bam Neely screaming more than uh, Lex Luger. Uh, is the contract signing? I feel like that's probably the biggest thing well, that happened on this episode. We we a couple of a couple of things. Did you have to look up that that was Eve Torres? I did. That's all I have on that segment. Uh no, I knew I knew it was her. I, I recognize okay. it. Okay. She um, um all I know her from is the storyline with Zack Ryder. Um, but mm-hmm. isn't she like a like she she's like jujitsu like she's I love, does she ever get legit? I guess is my question. Like does she ever uh, become like one of the one of the one of the you know females of this time that kind of transcends the the arm candy? Not my you know I'm not trying to diminish their role, but it's yeah. like Trish had her moment, and then like you know there were some other ones along the way, like Mickey James was Eve one of those. Yeah, I think you know she she's she's arm candy for a while, but she gets into the ring eventually, and uh, she's pretty successful. She I think she won the Davis Championship at least twice or maybe three times. Um, she was never great in the ring, but she kind of had some cool. She had a moonsault that she used to do that was pretty good. Uh, it looked pretty pretty uh, swank, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but uh, yeah, she 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 eventually got to where she wrestled a, a pretty good amount. And uh, I think she ended up being all right. I mean, she's she's a diva of that time. I'll just put it that way. I mean, none of them were like 
amazing, I guess, outside of maybe a Mickey James, but um, sure. and maybe a Michelle McCool. Um, but yeah, she 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 well, got in the ring and eventually got pretty good, I'd say. Layla's good here. Uh, she's not as good as she will be. I have seen some of the Lay Cool stuff, or at least seen segments of her. Like, is she? Uh, she from London? She sounds like she's from London. She yeah, she is. Yeah, I think she is. She is from London, England. Yeah, she sure is. Um, and she had won the previous uh, Diva Search to Eve's, I believe. Um, I don't think they did it for a few years, and then uh, Eve was the uh, one that she that won it after her. So, um, that was kind of what they were drawn off of because they were both uh, Diva Search winners. Um, and the last thing is, there's a there's a tease for next week. They promise for the first time ever, brothers that are the ECW champion and world heavyweight champion will appear on ECW. <laughs> and maybe the last time ever. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So um, first time, last time. It's a big it's a big uh, a big treat for our viewers. Yeah. So next week we'll get the brothers of destruction uh, in a in what appears to maybe be a tag team match uh, in our main event next week. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Eve ended up going into like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you said, and she married yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the Gracie one brothers, of the- one of the Gracies. So I think she's like, you know, I don't think she fights or anything, but I think she's just, she's into all that kind of stuff now. So, um, still can't beat up Johnny Lawrence. Tell you that much right now. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, but like I said, the, uh, the contract signing, I thought it was horrible. Uh, I hate oh, bullshit! It was your favorite. You told me you were texting me all night. You were like, bro, <laughs> this contract signing is fantastic. And I was like, really? Ch- I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like it that much. And you're like, Chavo Guerrero is above the rest. He's on a level <laughs> that's not been reached before. Anybody that knows me knows that that's unequivocally not true. <laughs> nah, oh, nah, man. Uh, Chavo opened his mouth, so that already put it down as like a thumbs down to begin with. And then he, uh, uh, like I said earlier, Bam Neely comes out to kind of start being his like bodyguard, and they set they set poor Kane up on the table, and Chavo Guerrero, <laughs> as awful as he is overshoots the table almost completely and barely hits the frog splash and face plants right on the mat. And it gave me so much joy watching his head smack the mat. And you know who else caught this? You know who else saw that he hit himself and almost knocked himself out? Vincent Kennedy McMahon, because he ordered some replays. All right. Mm-hmm. They re- they replayed it like seven times. It was fantastic. He's like, oh, that's good shit, Chavo. That was a great frog splash. I saw you hit your nose directly on the mat, you idiot. <laughs> hey, Ken, why don't you uh, be a little more careful next time? <laughs> like, just, he, he thinks he's so clever. Yeah, I, I love when Vince gets that little clever voice going. Um, but yeah, he it did. What did you think of this whole segment? Did you think it was as awful and dumb as I did? So I did uh, the... The, the belt's still way too small on Kane. He's got a big tom-tom. So, <laughs> um, but I did not know. Uh, well, I, okay, I knew who the Edgeheads were, but wow, do they look weird with like mm. hair, like lots of hair and generic tights. Mm-hmm. Um, the specific note I took when Cam Neely or Bam Neely, because like, Cam Neely was a hockey player. When Bam yeah, Neely Cam comes Neely out, <laughs> it says, 
I wrote OMG, which I'm not proud of, but you know, I got to take these notes fast before they leave my brain. I wrote OMG, it's generic rock white guy because his his music was like and i just wrote i have no idea who the fuck this is yeah he looks like he looks like a third basher brother that's coming out so yeah good he's one of many long there's they have a long-standing failure of larger men that don't have personalities and not turning them into superstars like uh, the yeah. blueprint, Matt Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my personal favorite, Luther Reigns, cool. And Nathan Jones, Nathan Jones oh. from Australia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now that we, you have an Australian in your back pocket too, I'm gonna try to use that to my advantage at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'll bust that one out every now and then, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm disappointed he, that we're so far removed from the Joe Fowler area. Era. I just learned how to speak English. Era. Yeah. He's still, he's still my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He may make a comeback. We'll see. <laughs> oh, we're um, going to have to get a really good episode of ECW for that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he might he might be signed to a chicken salad exclusive contract. So. <laughs> and, you, uh, and, and you know what? He's not going to find anything on this side that's going to make him any happier. So he might as well stay there. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, but uh, did you have any more thoughts on the episode? Did you have anything else that stood out to you or uh, that you thought stunk really bad or anything like that? Well, hey, all jokes aside, it was a smooth watch. I'm, you know, when the bad stuff happens, I'm still very much keyed in because I'm excited to hope that it's embarrassingly bad, which nothing was embarrassingly bad. Chavo, jokes aside too. Him hitting his face was hilarious. Taz was great. Styles was okay. Morrison was a, a revelation. Where's his personality mm-hmm. now? He doesn't do it. What's the he does the drip shit? I don't think that's cool at all. Maybe I'm too mm-hmm. old. I don't know. But like he, and plus I know that he's probably a little more scripted. You could tell no one was in their headsets yelling at him. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And I think I think I think Morrison's gotten to the point where he has like that dad energy, so he's not as like funny and cool <laughs> and young as he used to be. Even though he doesn't have kids, but he's kind of like old at this point so he can't make those cool like young person jokes and sound sound as cool as maybe he used to be able to but um so maybe something like that but i definitely it's also uh it's ahead. also a parable in my in my life story you just told me i feel so much better now thank you i'm so i'm so sorry <laughs> um, God, my, whole I, life, my, my whole life just flashed before your mouth it was awful I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to get so personal. I, I, I'll I, I'll remember next time. <laughs> you, pro- you you promised me you wouldn't tell anyone. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, no, it was I, it was not a bad episode. It's totally average, but some stuff was really above average. I gotta say. Um, I was entertained for 46 minutes. Yeah, I was just say I, I really enjoyed it. The opener was great. Punk and Miz both brought it. Like we said, Morrison was really good on commentary. Um, Taz was great on commentary all night. The contract signing I could have probably gone without, but I understand its purpose. And watching Travo bust his face was was amazing. Yeah. Um, and the squash uh, matches were good. The squash matches were good because, like, well, not the Dreamer delaying one. That was overall garbage. But it was cool to be like, okay, who's next? It's Elijah Burke. Nunzio's already in the ring. Ha ha. Like. You know, here comes Kofi, Domino. What the fuck? Like, I don't know. It could have been a lot worse with these guys. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and they, and I feel like they did what they didn't do effectively with Knox and Stevie the week before. I feel like they built Elijah. He really dominated that match and really kind of threw Nunzio around. And, you know, I thought Kofi, you know, it, it was a competitive match. But, you know, Kofi got his spots in. He looked good. Uh, obviously, Taz was behind him. The crowd was behind him. They all did the yeah. boom, boom with him. Um, the, And, you know, the main event, I just don't think that storyline's going anywhere. Um, it's just, I think it's just kind of lame at this point. Tommy well, Dreamer is to, definitely not yeah. the person to jazz it up. So, um, no, and to, to tie it into the overall project that we're doing here too, it's like, you know, we've got a pay-per-view coming up and I, I think we're going to have to get used to this one ECW match, you know, if mm. they're lucky uh, per pay-per-view and it's only ever going to be the title match. So the Delaney thing has nowhere to pay off uh, in the, using the modern model. There's never going to be a pay-per-view payoff for these things. So, and they're not going to push Domino, but I want to continue to see guys like that. That's if I could see anything like that going forward, like these random like SmackDown guys, because it's you know the reason these people are doing this is because SmackDown is you know it's a SmackDown show too, so they benefit from that. But I we'll get to see some of their castoffs, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that too. Um, yeah, I think they always taped them in the same time, so they were always around, so they could pull those guys if they needed to. And it'll be see, interesting to see who they kind of pull from uh, SmackDown as well to, uh, you know, see where we go from here and yeah, see who they use and uh, kind of build up. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought they structured this card pretty well up until maybe the main event. I, it, but I mean, it's a storyline that's going to happen. It's it's something that's going to be on the show. It's going to be featured. Um, but, uh, you know, it ju- it's just not clicking right now. Maybe it'll click eventually. I kind of don't think it does, but, uh, we'll see as we go along. Um, next, next week we're in the UK. We've got the big, you know, cause they're doing their after WrestleMania tour and they're, you know, mm-hmm. having the undertaker and Kane is somewhat of a novelty. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. We'll see. I- I'm, yeah, I'm, I- I'm, ca- I'm cautiously optimistic because I think that there's enough here to keep us entertained. As we are a few weeks removed from WrestleMania, SmackDown themselves are also trying to rebuild towards the future. With the debut of Vladimir Kozlov, the re-emerging feud of Matt Hardy and MVP, and Undertaker at the helm as the World Heavyweight Champion, things on the blue brand can only be brighter. Bringing us the content for this week, April 11, 2008, It is Marcus Fuller, and filling in for Justin Pratt, it is myself. Take it away. Well, buddy, hate to do this one day because we we had a big bowl of gristle, as we would like to say, on this edition of SmackDown. And we are unabashed SmackDown defenders, sometimes to a fault, and this would be an example of that. Tim, as a whole, do you have any thoughts about this episode of SmackDown before we dive in? Um, Just needs to hurry up and get back. <laughs> is all I gotta say. If if I have to do this again, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get sick. Uh, special shout out to Justin uh, holding things down at home. Uh, brand P-O-P, new addition to the hold it down. <laughs> brand new addition to the family. So congratulations uh, to his family for that. Uh, if, he Tim, hears, if he hears crying during this podcast, it is not the new child. It is me pained from this episode of SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what the H happened, uh, considering kind of how sneaky strong the last episode of SmackDown was when you were here. 
Um, I felt like we left on a pretty high point. It seemed like the booking was pretty logical moving forward as to what to do. Um, now, I'm not watching ECW along with this, so maybe Logan uh, is covering something else over there. Or Logan and Johnny, I, sh- I should say. Uh, so maybe they're covering um, what we should have gotten on this edition of SmackDown. <laughs> maybe it happened over there. Um, I know it did not happen on this night, this night though. Um, a big bowl of wolf. Um, I'm going to try to avoid going segment by segment and just hitting some of the high points. Um, but we did start off with, I guess, a peace offering segment of sorts between the great Kali says and the big show. Uh, a big shout out to Kevin Dunn and company who tried to put a music bed under this to make it seem more palatable. But also it was very confusing because I was also playing video games in the background and I couldn't tell if the music I was hearing was from my video game or from this segment. So I had to pause the, the feed twice to just make sure that the music I was hearing wasn't from my game. Uh, but uh, either way, man, this was uh, that peace offering. Sure. Sure was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, this seemed like something out of the Raw playbook. This was a segment that went on way too long to get to the payoff of the segment, which was the big show knocking out the great Kali. That's uh, what we're trying to get to. Yeah. Shout outs to the big show drinking a swallow of piss. Um that was really fun. Um, but like big show being offered like the cleanest water from India and then like scotch and then an actual chicken and an actual goat, man. Yeah. Not what we're looking for. Um, as we look to move towards a conflict between the two behemoths, um, we did have a quick tag team title, uh, not tag team title match, but non-title a match with the tag team champions, Morrison and The Miz, as they go over on Jimmy Wang Yang and Shannon Moore. I would say you could skip that. It's not really anything that you absolutely have to see really along with like anything on this episode of SmackDown. So um, let's, let's try to accentuate the positives then. Like, is there anything from this that we want to take away? There is. I would say we're seeing the promo chops of Big Daddy Dave on display, as we did get a Dave Batista. <laughs> we did get a we did get a Dave Batista uh, promo, as he continues to call out that phony little faker Shawn Michaels. Uh, as we look towards a match for them at Backlash, and also, I for one enjoyed the Matt Hardy versus Chuck Palumbo match. I enjoyed that just because we got Biker Palumbo. We did talk about Biker Chuck Palumbo, and we weren't sure like the origins. And I guess we still don't have the origins of Biker Chuck Palumbo with where we picked up this project. But we do have an appearance, which I was pleased because I wasn't sure if Biker Chuck Palumbo was 2008 or 2011. Like It could have been any time <laughs> in between. Uh, so it was a nice surprise. I was glad to see Chuck Palumbo. And him and Matt Hardy really went out there. They had almost 12 minutes. Um TV time and they put together a good match. They put together a good match, but it was also like painfully long. Like it was good, but it was 
for how much else we've had to sit through for this episode of SmackDown, it really felt like, uh, I really, I might have rathered another like Edge Vicky Guerrero segment as opposed to like three extra minutes of Matt Hardy and Chuck Palumbo. Yeah, like reaching across the aisle to uh, our WCW partners, uh, and even more so, I guess, uh, Chad and JT uh, with Wrestling Warzone. But this felt like one of those nitros where like half the roster is in Japan. And yep. so like <laughs> they've got they've got like the C and D level guys out here filling up 12 minutes of TV time and matches. Um, understand you kind of want to see what you have in Chuck Palumbo. Like he's a good looking dude. He's big. Uh, he's athletic at this point. He's got more experience, but Chuck Palumbo is not the guy to throw out there to go eat up 12 minutes of TV time. So I thought they did well. I enjoyed the match overall. I would say that, that was a good takeaway is Matt Hardy once again getting the best out of these mid-card acts on SmackDown um, while also furthering the feud between him and MVP without them needing to have a matchup. I thought that was well done. Right. As, this The only match I feel like that went the appropriate amount of time was like Victoria and Michelle McCool and like Vlad Kozlov and the, the, local, the local talent. Yeah, we did get a nice follow-up from the previous week of Victoria and Michelle McCool. Uh, so I would say that was a positive. Like we did, uh, we did get to continue that. And again, like that highlighted Natalia, uh, the newly debuting Natalia, uh, who is now uh, in her second week on SmackDown after her debut last week. And we got Vladimir Kozlov, who we are seeing the kind of the the blacked out entrance lights and uh, the spotlight following him to the ring. We know that's going to be used for somebody else in the future. But for now, it's used for Vladimir Kozlov, and he is looking all sorts of strong. Um, And I'm kind of surprised, given the landscape of things. I know Undertaker is wrapped up with Edge, but um, Kozlov kind of already seems ready for, like, being one of those Undertaker foes. Um. Like, I don't know how much more time he's going to need. Um, And I'm curious to see if they ever do tease that because I think that would already be a really good matchup at this point. For sure. My while we did watch it live, this was also like this is 13 years ago. So it's very difficult to, to remember how this all plays out. I know that by the end of this year, I think Kozlov is in that WWE title picture. Yes. With Triple H and Jeff Hardy. Mm, and uh, Edge. And Edge. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of meat there. Um, but Undertaker out here with Festus trying to teach a young big man how to be a big man. Um, the one thing I got to talk about that's like a negative is the, the, the Finley and Matt Stryker match. Mm. So we we've talked about this before, like when we watch wrestling that like once the fans get the most excited they're ever going to get, you need to go. You, you, that's that's the end of the match. Mm-hmm. And when Hornswoggle shoots Matt Stryker with the water gun, 
Stryker should have turned around and ate a Celtic cross and been done with it. Instead, we get another three minutes of Finley and Matt Stryker wrestling around an arm bar. Uh, Yeah, I know we say SmackDown is the wrestling show. I didn't Um, need it this time. Yeah, like you've got like Finley is very much an act at this point uh, with Hornswoggle, and we kind of already got the payoff to Hornswoggle very early in the contest. Um, it's just time to go home. Yeah, <laughs> it really was time to go home again. Uh, they were out there for five minutes, and and they ate up um, a little chunk of time. And I want to go back to Undertaker versus Festus, which we talked about, which was our main event on this night. Uh, this was one of those. I guess like learning experiences uh, as last week we saw Jesse and Festus featured with uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. And we kind of talked about like little did we know at that time how the future was going to kind of be molded uh, with these guys and like where they were going to fit in the landscape moving forward in professional wrestling, whether it's the independence or TNA or Japan or WWE. Uh, we see that continue with Festus. Him and Undertaker go out there for eight and a half minutes, and they probably have a better match than what you think, but I don't know if better is good. Right. Like, it definitely does more for Festus. It gives Undertaker the opportunity to look strong, but also to, like, be in there and give some quality time to an up-and-coming young big man. Um, It's something that, at least in the current WWE product, we're missing with mm. guys like Omas and commander Aziz of just being big men who don't have necessarily a big man to work with, to learn how to be a big man because the canes and the undertakers and the big shows of the world are all kind of gone. Um, and every, all, all, all the big men kind of get put through their rite of passage with the undertaker or Kane or the big show at any given time in the WWE. And, it's kind of missing today, but it was obviously a good showing for Festus. Festus obviously turns out to be pretty, pretty decent uh, much later in life. Uh, he finds a way to put himself in favorable situations. Hey, that's all you got to do sometimes. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. Uh, but all in all, man, this SmackDown was was tough. Yeah, do you think this episode of SmackDown was harmed so badly by Edge and Vicky really being out of the building for all the segments. Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but Edge and Vicky are away on like a little like spa retreat as they kind of de-stress from WrestleMania and, and the previous week's uh, transpirings. Do you think the episode was hurt? Because Edge is very much, I think, on like the Mount Rushmore of SmackDown faces. Right. Um, do, you think, do you think the episode was hurt by Edge not being in the building? No, because I feel like... I feel like even if Edge was in the building, I feel like the way they had Edge set up with Vicky in these spa segments was to give the television product something uh, to kind of give it some glue. That that segment was absolutely the through line that connected the entire show. Yes. Unfortunately for me, it just fell flat. Um, especially when I'm sitting there and I'm watching the beginning of the menage, the, the menage massage that they r- talk about. Um, I'm watching these mis- these therapists work on edge and, and Vicky and they're just like 
tapping their fingers on their backs. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm not relaxed. I'm actually very stressed right now watching this. Like I can't, I don't feel relaxed at all. Like paid actors. What? Hopefully their sad cards came in. Cause that was terrible. Yeah. If I paid money for a massage like that, I would want my money back without a question. We're going to have, we're going to have problems uh, if you I'm better, getting a fingertip massage. You better be driving an elbow into my shoulder blades. You got to make that ish hurt. Like make it palms. Like you got to get in there deep. You got a deep tissue massage. You got to send it. Yeah. But uh, that really does it for this episode of SmackDown. Sorry it is on the shorter side, but I mean, really not really a strong follow up from last week, which I thought was a decent episode. Right. If there's any, if there's anything from this episode of SmackDown, we want to put in like a time capsule. Um, what is it? What do you think from this? We should put in the time capsule. Again, I think the idea of letting your veterans work with younger or talent you want to give opportunity to. There's that word again. There's that word again. Uh, Matt Hardy went out there and put in some time with Chuck Palumbo and Undertaker, our world champion, uh, is working with somebody much further down the roster. But like you said, somebody younger and a young big man who needs to learn how to be a big man. Uh, so that would be my main takeaway that I'd like to put into the time capsule. What about you? Um, my takeaway is actually going to be something we haven't talked about yet. And that was MVP on commentary. Ooh, okay. uh, MVP was on commentary during the Matt Hardy and Chuck Palumbo match. And MVP really continued to solidify himself as being like one of the marquee SmackDown talents. Um, while not in the ring, he was definitely doing more for the MVP Matt Hardy feud on commentary than anything that else that they could have done. Uh, it was also very fun to hear him take a jab at Michael Cole and uh, the coach on commentary saying that Cole and JBL were a top six commentary team of all time. And then you lose JBL and you add the coach and they're the worst commentary team ever. Um, <laughs> that was very fun. Also earlier in the night too, um, during the segment with the Kali says giving all of the peace offerings to the big show, um, coach says something, uh, says something out of turn and Michael Cole tells him he needs to be more reverent and coach goes, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but really the emphasis goes on to MVP for just being so dang talented. He's somebody who I know they don't do more with, but they should have. There's no reason my MVP shouldn't have been world heavyweight champion on SmackDown at any given point. Um, but you know, it is what it is. By the time he gets hot enough to be something on SmackDown, he's going to end up getting drafted over to raw and he's never going to be seen or heard from again. So that's the way it kind of is for this. SmackDown makes and raw will take as we'll see. Next time on Cronoso, there's a gathering as No Soap brings you Starcade 1985 from the Greensboro Coliseum and the Omni. How will history look down upon this event? Tune in in two weeks and see. Cronoso is brought to you by the North-South Connection. Listen and subscribe to the network on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. With shows outlining so many different eras of wrestling, there's absolutely something for everyone on No So, including topics outside of the Squared Circle, dropping on the daily. 